crypto taxes are extremely complicated. And if you watched last week's episode, you know that it, there's a lot to talk about. Now, it gets even more complicated when you're talking about businesses. So how are businesses affected by crypto taxes and how will the future of business be changed from the different implications of this? Well, you're about to find out. All right, welcome to the new normal, episode 38, I believe at this point, and we're going to talk crypto taxes here today. We have our friend Miles, he was here last episode, we have our friend Jesse, and if it looks like we're wearing the same clothes, that's because we are, we are filming this back to back, this is an ad hoc part two, we did not know that part one was going to be so interesting, so we're doing part two here today. Austin, a.k.a. Mac and Cheesy, Jesse, a.k.a. Jesse, Miles, a.k.a. Miles. We're here to talk taxes. Last episode, we touched on everything crypto taxes um, and Miles, a tax expert. If you haven't listened to tax part one, go listen to part one. But the skinny is Miles is the director of tax strategy at CoinLedger, an automated crypto tax software company. He's previously worked at a boutique tax firm that serves some of the biggest people, biggest names, most wealthy people in the world. And he's been through the ringer. He's been through the the new normal episode already. So this is episode two. How are we feeling after last last week's episode? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. Good. Yeah, I'm ready Let's let's get let's get right into it. So we so we covered the taxes for people um, last week, and if you really want to get into that, go listen to last week's episode. But now we're going to get into the tax implications for businesses, and we've seen a explosion of businesses in the crypto world, from DAOs to NFT brands to web three companies airdropping tokens all these different things so there's a ton of tax implications here that are super interesting and anybody who's trying to build a business in crypto build a business in web three be a startup employee in web three these are all things that you have to consider and know so this this is something that i think jesse and i are probably both going to take notes on and that's why we really wanted to kind of chat about this so where, where should we even start here jesse yeah, and there's so many things to cover, but I think um, I think DAOs, right? DAOs are the big the big phrase of this year. You know, a decentralized autonomous organization, right? They're the new company, uh, new version of companies, but on the internet, right? For for individuals to coordinate and organize themselves in a more internet friendly fashion. Um, so how does that work though when we're all decentralized and autonomous, and and half the time we don't even know our real names? Um, so how do we pay taxes on these things as, as we're starting up a DAO? Um, and, and yeah, maybe Miles, you can just kind of jump right into what are some yeah. of the different ways we can think about that? Yeah. So, you know, these DAOs are, you know, enabled through this crypto technology, you know, allows us to be anonymous. Um, it allows us to kind of work with people that we've never met before, you know, that kind of trustless world um, that we're building, um, you know, brings upon new ways to organize. And so this, these DAOs are new 
ways for people to organize. And, um, you know, there's a certain level of, um, you know, legal ramifications from when these, when people come together and and act together, Um, you know, there's liability, Um, you know, there may be interest, income, there may be all sorts of activity and, you know, how do we handle and treat that? Um, from a U.S. perspective, you know, um, we're not seeing many DAOs um, kind of incorporate or, you know, fit into a legal framework into the United States. Um, you know, most DAOs are unincorporated. You know, that's kind of one way to go about it is don't make it official from a legal perspective. It's like we're looking towards the virtual world the future of cryptocurrency, the future of finance. I don't need any of that old legal type stuff, any of that old framework stuff. Many, many DAOs will decide to go down that path. But but DAOs that are like really trying to add value to their users are going to want to find some legal, legal framework to fit under. <clears throat> the reason being, um, you know, <clears throat> if you're kind of a a main developer or leader in this community, you may, you may want to protect yourself from any liability. Um, You know, there's legal liability um, just across the board. Um, You know, you, you, you know, it's hard to get into, you know, specifically (laughs) I am not a lawyer, but you want to protect yourself from getting sued um, from, you know, someone thinking that you're, you're, you know, practicing not in good faith, et cetera. And so there's a certain level of creating a legal, having, fitting your DAO into a legal framework um, provides liability. But further that, further than that, and more importantly, um, you may want to contract out with other people and pay for services um, that aren't necessarily in crypto like it's easy if it's like crypto to crypto but if you want to hire like a marketing agency or you want to purchase you know a golf course right um with through your dow um you know like you're going, subtweet <laughs> um you're going to need like some sort of level of legal you know kind of cl- entity structure in order to be like officially recognized um, and in order to kind of do all the transactions that you want to do, um, you know, you may want to work with people that aren't in crypto. And so you have to set up contracts, you know, et cetera, for, you know, any work done. And so it's like, how are you supposed to do this if you're not a DAO? Well, you want to try and fit your DAO into a certain legal framework um, in order to get the advantages of kind of participating in our kind of our society and our economy. Um, so most DAOs are either unincorporated um, or they have set up some legal framework internationally. Um, And um, there may be benefits to that. They could be set up um, in a very crypto friendly location, something like Portugal where kind of crypto income is tax free. Um, We're seeing that, but then there's kind of the risk for, um, you know, you may be us based and a lot of your activity may be us based um, within your DAO and setting up an international entity may not make sense. There may be kind of 
you know, U.S. sourced income and all these other implications that like really add to the add to the complexity. And so um, right now there is no great framework, no great legal framework for DAOs in the United States. And this is a problem because, you know, we don't want people to go internationally. We don't want all the, the great brains and heads of decentralized finance and DAOs um, to look elsewhere um, to do DAO work. Um, you know, we want to support and, and encourage that here in the United States. So there's a lot of people um, kind of working on this problem um, within the U.S., especially uh, some, uh, some people on the fund side that are you know, looking to maybe invest in DAOs and, you know, want to make it make sense for the United States. Um, there are some people, um, let me, let me find the right, uh, the right group. Yeah. So A16Z is a fund and one of their lawyers, one of their general counsel, um, Miles Jennings, no relation. Um, <laughs> no um, relation on the Maya. first name. <laughs> yeah, no relation. Um, <laughs> um, he's kind of laid out a, a framework that may be, may fit into, into the United States. And so he's kind of done his research uh, at a very, very deep level and have come across, you know, what's called unincorporated nonprofit associations, UNAs. Um, so I'm, you know, and it may very well be that DAOs in that want to incorporate in the United States, get all those benefits from incorporation um, fit under this, the, the UNA, the Unincorporated Nonprofit Associations. I'm going to read to you um, kind of the, the official definition of one of these unincorporated nonprofit associations. Um, and the, the UNA is, and UNA is defined as consistent, quote, consisting of two or more members joined under an agreement that is oral or in record or implied from conduct for one or more common nonprofit purposes. So that kind of sounds like a DAO um, in a lot of sense of the word. Um, and this really does like solve a lot of problems for people, um, you know. So, so just to break that down a little bit, we keep saying this term unincorporated. Does that mean you are a business without any official papers like to say that you're a corporation or like is there actually like like break it down a little bit more what does it mean to be unincorporated exactly yeah i i wish i could tell i wish i could okay. answer that question you know like i'm not familiar very familiar with these unincorporated nonprofit associations you know Ooh, um so so it from would, a tax perspective what does it mean to yeah, yeah. So when you're incorporated, right, and you're a corporation, you know, um, you're kind of treated as it's as your own taxable entity. Um, you know, so like, like a corporation pays taxes. Um, a hedge fund doesn't pay taxes. All the partners in the hedge fund get distributed their equal amount of income or losses, and all that is reported on the individual level. So if there are any kind of affiliated taxes that come out of a DAO that, it, that is in an unincorporated nonprofit association, it's likely that the DAO itself isn't going to have taxes, that if there does happen to be any kind of taxable income, whatever that may look like, it's hard for us to even wrap our heads around this stuff. It's like talking about the internet in 1995, like what could what what, what the internet would look like in 2020. We just don't know what DAOs are going to look like. 
but we can kind of assume if it's unincorporated, it's probably not going to pay taxes at the entity level and may kind of distribute it, you know, the pass through kind of income down to the kind of main individual kind of token holders. Um, so that, that may be how it is, is looked at or treated as, um, yeah, I think I think the the tricky part there is right. Some of these DAOs have massive treasuries, right? From the safe, which is like multi-signature wallet that's owned by a lot of people. Does the is it anyone on the multi-sig there that's paying the taxes on that? And like that, that's a, that's a very interesting. Um, but yeah, I, it sounds like we would be speculating if we really go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. We we're entirely speculating on this stuff. I mean, this stuff is like really cutting edge stuff, and you know. Wyoming, you know, has set up an LLC structure for DAOs, but, um, you know, it didn't necessarily check all the boxes for kind of every DAO, you know, and in a similar fashion, this, um, this UNA, this unincorporated nonprofit association isn't going to, like, every DAO isn't going to be able to fit into this structure either, um, yeah. you know. A, you know, nonprofit is a kind of a key word there. You know, when we look at it like a homeowners association, um, you know, that's like a similar type of thing, right? Where it's like a homeowners association can be considered nonprofit, right? But they can also take actions that are for profit because if they can increase the value of the neighborhood and then everyone in the homeowners associations, their, the ho their house now is worth more, right? Like, that's that could be for profit you know there are certain actions taken that benefit all the members but that could still be considered non-profit um and so that's actually a really interesting point you made there because i think we're seeing DAOs. a lot of the ethos of some of these DAOs isn't to just try and make the most money which is i think why we a lot of people really like the idea of working in a DAO versus like a corporation because we can make decisions that are at the best benefit and health of the people of the organization rather than someone at the top saying, well, that's a great opportunity. Even though we have no capacity to take on that partnership or work, we're going to do it, right? Because someone at the top is making this very top-down decision. Whereas in a DAO, we can make a lot healthier decisions because we're voting, right? And we're saying, does everyone here think this is a good idea? Do we actually have the capacity to take on this kind of work and do this kind of thing? And so you're kind of acting in this nonprofit kind of way at times, I think. Um, yeah. So that's actually a really interesting point of view there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, you know, this will, you know, continue to play out and really like the top, the top legal minds are, are, are kind of trying to figure out this situation for the U S because the U S has a lot to gain from, you know, creating mm -hmm. a framework that, that works, uh, that works for DAOs and, and, you know, the, we know how important crypto is and, you know, we just need the United States to, to fully realize this and, and create these legal frameworks for, to encourage, to encourage that type of activity rather than discourage that activity. So it's, it's really difficult to say for any DAO where the taxes go. Um, but yeah. now in something like an NFT project, uh, like the Krypton goons or the money goes to the wallet, people mint the money to get sent to the wallet address um that if if people have access to the keys like who who is liable for that taxes um 
And let's assume, and there is an LLC behind the Cryptoon Goons and behind a lot of these NFT projects. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, you know, in that sense, if there's like some sort of, you know, LLC um, with all the founders kind of working on this NFT project, you know, any income that the LLC has um, from minting, for example, from issuing all these NFTs, all that kind of minting income that the, the project is receiving is, is going to be treated as income. And if it's kind of, you know, you know, uh, set up as a legal entity in an LLC, all the partners in that LLC um, kind of have their own share of that income. And all so the individuals will kind of have to pick up all the interest and all the income items, all the expense items. So it, it's taxed as... In the event that you're you're doing this mint, it's taxed as if it's just general income for, and it just that's what it is, right? The same way if you were to get paid a hundred ETH for a job, it's the same way you would get a paid a hundred ETH for the mint. Similar that's idea, exactly right? Yeah. Or, is that you know, how, like, is in a hopefully a quick answer. Is that similar to that, like raising capital as a company, um, like through venture capital or angel investments? Um, no, you know, that, that's not, you know, okay. kind of similar at all. Yeah. Um, you know, raising money, um, you know, is going to be like an investment, you know, yeah. um, for the investors and, um, for the corporate, okay. you know, you're investing in like a corporation. And so here you have a, a, an incorporated entity, you know, um, and so you can bring in that capital into the corporation without necessarily kind of sharing that income that raise you know with kind of the main founders um they can kind of silo it all that money so this, in the corporation so when an nft project mints that's not considered a raise at all yeah i think the two would be you know treated differently and, and now, treated differently going to the for the dow and uh, the wyoming scenario what because these are all questions at this point I'm learning as well. I'm, I'm asking uh, somewhat selfish questions now, or these are going to be a little bit pointed questions. Um, can what for like the Wyoming type asset? Um, I don't know how familiar you are with like the structure and cause, cause you had mentioned like only certain DAOs would fall into that, um, that framework. Like what, what would be the ideal DAO? Like could a DAO theoretically have ownership in a company, like shares of a company? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think there's no reason a DAO couldn't own shares in a company, you know? Um, now, what is the ideal DAO for the Wyoming, like DAO LLC um, entity structure? I wouldn't be able to tell you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, all I know is that like Wyoming, you know, does recognize a lot of this stuff and is trying to kind of find a framework that works for people. Um, you know, this stuff is going to happen on the state level um, first before it's done federally. So, you know, I just kind of wanted to shout out Wyoming because they are kind of yeah, cutting sure. edge oh, on yeah. this stuff. But what does the ideal DAO like? I'm not, I'm unfortunately not familiar with mm -hmm. kind of the exact, you know, legal structure there that would then can point to a DAO and say, oh, here's an ideal DAO for for that certain mm -hmm. people structure. So go, getting off DAOs now, I guess, let's let's assume you have the proper structure and now you're actually running the business. You, yeah. You're running the business. What are the implications of 
holding crypto on your balance sheet, paying employees. Let's say you did make 100 ETH from a mint and now you're paying employees, you're paying contractors, but you're also holding it on your balance sheet. What are the implications there? Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I think I want to get out of like, let's just talk about crypto businesses in general, you know, mm -hmm. like this may be, there may be a DAO doing this, but it could also be just like a small business, you know, that yep. like that has crypto on their balance sheet um, or is dealing with crypto. So, you know, I'm, I'm like, because DAOs are so new, like, I just, I don't really have good answers for you on that, but I, I can yeah, talk, let's talk about, more LLCs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can talk more kind of just businesses in general. Yep. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, you, we have to give kudos to any like non-crypto business that does accept Bitcoin, accept crypto, um, because it is a pain. It's a pain in the ass for these businesses to handle these types of transactions. Um, you know, the reason being is just like, you know, just as if you're in an individual and you're buying and selling crypto, um, crypto is treated as property, as we discussed in part one. And so you have gain or loss, depending on how the price has changed since you originally bought any assets. And so um, imagine if you're a company, you're non -crypt you're not a crypto company, you're I, I know of like the Bitcoin kebab shop, right? Um, the, you know, they're just some kebab company that has done great marketing by accepting Bitcoin. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, when you're receiving Bitcoin for, for, you know, any kebabs you're handing out, like you have this Bitcoin sitting on your balance sheet now, but like, who are your vendors? Like who, in order to run your business, you have like employees Right. And you have to buy all the materials, all, all the equipment and the food to prepare. Well, none of those people probably accept Bitcoin. Right. And so now you're kind of in order to run your business. Right. You're you're kind of having to sell your Bitcoin in order to pay in order to run your business. Right. In order to make all the payments that your business requires. And so, um, you know, there is going to be gain or loss to that business depending on how the price of their Bitcoin has changed since they originally, you know, earned it um, from selling their kebabs. And so they kind of have their own reporting requirements. And, you know, an addition, just like to then, it just takes extra time to then take, like get the Bitcoin and then to sell it to you as dollars, like that can, has to go through this old financial world that, you know, has to be done during business days, et cetera. And so, you know, it may just not be good for your business. It's like, it may take time for you to turn any kind of profits into something that you can actually use to pay your vendors. And so um, it's really hard for businesses that are non-crypto businesses to accept crypto. Um, there is a potential solution there with stable coins. Um, you know, not only will the kind of the user that's kind of going to this business and getting goods and services, if they pay in stable coins, you know, there won't be any material gain or loss there. So it's like that encourages, you know, use of crypto. No one wants to spend their, their Bitcoin, right? Like Bitcoin is kind of a saving mechanism right now. Um, and so people aren't spending it, but people will want to spend their stable coins. So if, if businesses and even governments, you know, start to accept payments in stable coins, you know, all of a sudden the stuff starts to make a little bit more sense. Um, 
you know, but again, there's still kind of that transfer from, you know, you still have to transfer that stable coins into cold hard cash in order to pay your vendors. Um, that's still an issue. So, um, you know, we're seeing like, you know, mixed, mixed results for businesses that are kind of trying this out. I'll, and trying to yeah. I'll tell you firsthand with, with the incubator to start our company. Um, I tried paying everybody in crypto. Like that was something that I wanted to do. If you worked for the incubator, you got paid in crypto. And I very soon found out that it was a total shit show. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. all right, we're moving to PayPal because it was like, I, you see, you see the gas fees, you see the, like the cost, the, there's a learning curve there also from the systems you use. Um, could, could a workaround, I guess this isn't a workaround, but borrowing money, right? So if you were to borrow on your Ethereum to pay an employee in a stable coin or something, that's not necessarily taxable. Or you borrow Ethereum from your Ethereum and then you pay so that if you just, do that continuously until you then actually want to pay back the loan. That's really only one taxable event and might make your accounting easier or that actually makes it harder. Like, or yeah, I mean, you, you bring lot. up a, a good kind of strategy for avoiding tax, I guess, you know, um, taking out a loan in a, in and of itself is not a taxable event. Um, neither is repaying that loan. Although you may have kind of interest expense, that potentially is deductible um, um, to you. But yeah, you know, um, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say for yeah. certain. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I, right. one, one thing I wanted to call out is uh, it doesn't mean, doesn't just, this all doesn't just apply to non-crypto businesses. Like as an, as an NFT started and funded business, like, right, we, we are and, and running... Um, clothing lines and 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 Shopify stores and stuff like that. You know, we are very much having to go into back and forth into U.S. dollars, receive payments for clothing in crypto. It's it's all it's all there. Um, I think it's unavoidable. Um, honestly, if you're unless you're fully crypto native company like uh you know these some of these DeFi protocols, but yeah. um. Yeah, I think that's like there's going to be a lot of work done over the next couple of years um, in, you know, some of those slower times, you know, in the markets means, you know, there, there's building time, you know, being done. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, we're, we're seeing this, you know, these kind of crypto businesses or crypto entities or crypto communities, whether it's NFTs or DAOs. Um, have kind of come up recently in this last wave. And so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see like a lot of development done. As you can tell from this conversation, there's still more kind of infrastructure that needs to be built um, for it to be efficient and for it to be useful for both crypto native companies and non-crypto native companies to deal with crypto and be able to transact with it. Um, you know, there it's much easier in a way to just for a company to say, hey, we're going to put Bitcoin on our balance sheet. There's costs to securing that and all, you know, the administrative aspect of making sure, you know, you're securing your, your Bitcoin. Um, but in a way, like 
it's much easier, you know, um, for businesses to do in a way than to continually transact in crypto. And so that's probably like the first step um, for a lot of major businesses. You know, um, we're not going to see them dealing with crypto anytime soon. They may very well begin to hold it on their balance sheet. Um, and, you know, we're going, you know, we would want to see developments in infrastructure, um, you know, kind of done over the next couple of years to hope for hope that, you know, crypto businesses can like really take off um, over the next like five years. You know, um, I think those problems have been identified and people are hopefully you know, working on, on solving. For, so you kind of mentioned it with the the businesses, it might be easier to get Bitcoin on their balance sheet rather than having a transactional. We've seen Square, we've seen MicroStrategy, we've seen Tesla add Bitcoin to their balance sheet. And I know there's some some funky tax laws there where you can kind of harvest losses without selling it. Like, and do you, do you want to touch on like what what the business tax implications are for holding it on your balance sheet? Yeah. I mean, there's just like for an individual, you know, there's a great thing about holding your assets is there's no taxable event from that. Um, you know, so, so, you know, micro strategies, they happen to be doing all sorts of complex stuff in order to acquire Bitcoin. But, you know, once that Bitcoin is on their balance sheet, you know, they can just hold it and they don't really there's challenges with like reporting. How do you report this stuff on financial statements, especially for a publicly traded company? Um, there's kind of all sorts of drama there. Um, but from a tax perspective, you know, simpler financial accounting perspective, maybe not, not as simple. Um, still, still problems to kind of work through on the financial accounting piece. And, and we're, you know, one of these infrastructure pieces that need to be built, it's like, for people to do their crypto taxes, right? There's great software out there that helps individuals, you know, figure out what their crypto taxes are. You know, where I'm from, where I'm working, CryptoTrader.tax um, does a great job at that. But like, what about for businesses that need like this type of like reporting stuff? You know, and so I think we're going to start to see, you know, certain businesses that can handle you know, the individual tax side of things start to say, okay, what else is there in accounting? Who else needs kind of interpretation of events on the blockchain and fit it into our kind of modern, modern, um, you know, accounting and legal frameworks. And so, you know, there is kind of like a, it's a big space to, that has room to grow because, um, you know, we know how much regulatory pressure there is on crypto right now. And so, you know, there's benefits to being regulated, uh, you know, the legitimacy and, and security that may people, people may be standing on the sidelines waiting for certain level of security and regulation. Um, but we also know there's downsides to regulation and, you know, it can slow things down, et cetera. Can you also touch on, um, we talked about um, paying employees in, in crypto, right? But we were talking about it from the business standpoint, can you talk about from the employee um, standpoint, whether you're a contractor or full-time employee, just like what are the tax implications of being paid, paid yeah. in crypto? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're paid in cash, 
Um, you have to pick that up as income. You know, that's kind of earnings and your, it shows up on your W-2 if, you know, you're in the U.S. Um, similar, if you're paid in Bitcoin, you know, that's ordinary income. It's going to be like treated very similarly to if you were paid in cash. Um, so you're going to pick up any Bitcoin you, you know, you're paid paid in as income. Um, and, you know, you now have basis based on the income you pick up in that crypto or that Bitcoin that you've earned. And so then when you go and sell that Bitcoin or crypto, um, you know, you've kind of have your basis, you've picked up income. And so any gain or loss is kind of is based on how much the price has changed than when you from when you first earned it. And that's your 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 cost basis now average average your average cost basis for that asset because maybe you already own some Ethereum and now you're being paid in Ethereum. Your cost basis for the Ethereum that you own is now changing for based on when you got paid, such that when you go to sell, now you're using your new average cost basis. Yes, uh, you know we we can talk about basis, you know, and you know. Average cost basis is not something that's actually used um, in the United States. And so, like, I have to say, like, that I, I can't say that's correct, you know, okay. just because average cost basis isn't used. It's used in some other countries. But, like, for your Ethereum that you bought before you started working and earning Ethereum, you have a basis for that Ethereum. And then for the basis that you're earning through your work, you have a basis in that Ethereum, and it's going to be a different basis. So you you essentially have different tranches of Ethereum, kind of different groupings of Ethereum um, that have different basis. Um, and so when you go and sell, you know you have these kind of cost basis methods, FIFO, LIFO um, type things. First in, first out is FIFO, meaning the first Ethereum you acquired is the first ones you sold. And so that's kind of the default. Um, that the IRS kind of hand kind of expects FIFO unless you're able to specifically uh, identify which ones you're selling, and so that means you have, kind of have to have good record keeping. Um, Maybe a separate wallet. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. So, so actually, it might be strategic to get paid in like a stable coin or not stable. I guess a different type of crypto asset separate from the one you're you're kind of holding long term so that you don't have to worry about ruining it happening when you or actually you just need to never go. sell or you just never sell but you know sometimes you got to pay rent um <laughs> you could borrow you could borrow it's true you can borrow um yeah, yeah. You're, you you know you're right in a way you know it can add complications if you're kind of trying to keep track of different groupings um of your assets definitely what cool. what do you um so this is the current taxes what do you what are you most looking forward to for businesses and tax law like what are you looking for where if they screw this up you're going to you're going to think the united states isn't going to be a, a crypto tax haven where or a crypto haven due to kind of the regulations where's where is your eye focused um, and then what do you want to see the United States to do going forward? Right. Because there's so much gray area. So there needs to be these things. So where are you most interested in? Yeah, I think, you know, the government has um, 
taking an interest in stable coins. Um, you know, I think for many reasons, you know, um, they're as interesting as crypto. Plus, there's kind of another whole side to it that, you know, potentially if a lot of our economy ends up being based on these stable coins, there's kind of a inherent risk to our economy if it turns out that the stable coins we're using aren't actually worth anything, you know? And so if kind of a stable coin rugs and our, a lot of our economy is based on these stable coins, it's like, boom, we're in a, a recession across, you know, a global recession potentially. And so it's like, this is why, you know, um, government has looked at this. So as I'm listening to Congress kind of, um, you know, ask questions and they're asking questions to a representative from the president's working group on stable coins, you know, the executive branch put together a little, little committee of people to like research stable coins. So as Congress is like drilling this person about, you know, their thoughts on stable coins, you know, you can kind of see where the heads are at from our legislators. And like, that's kind of very important to see, okay, is, is the United States like totally screwed or, you know, is there some sense in some of these people, you know? Um, and I think you see kind of a little of everything. Um, and, you know, there are some people that are trying to fit crypto into a box that worked with our traditional finance system. And so I think those types of regulations um, are not going to be great for setting up the United States as kind of like the crypto capital of the world. Um, however, they're also probably not ultra destructive um, where they probably create burdens and they kind of probably create, you know, the more, the more types of regulations on that type of path we see, we kind of see big banks thrive because they're able to kind of jump through all the regulatory hoops while small banks don't thrive because there's just too many regulations to jump through. And, you know, our laws kind of even recognize that there are difference between big banks and small banks, et cetera. What I'm trying to say is, um, you know, there'll be a kind of boomer approach to just trying to fit everything into traditional finance. That won't be great, but it won't, kill it won't kill crypto in the united states um you know i think when you start to see um governments like we saw in canada start to take like a really heavy-handed approach to like restriction of finances and like who can transact and like in what ways can we transact i think if a government tries to go that authoritarian like route and if the us for whatever reason starts to like really say oh you know um cbdc you know like we want a government coin we want a fed coin you know and nothing else is accepted it's like well one they're already telling us like nothing else will be accepted but two just even beginning to kind of talk in that fashion we'll start to send all the kind of all the brains overseas and look for something internationally. So, you know, it's, it, you, you see all the above, you know, you see some people so advocating for full authoritarian control. You see some people trying to fit, you know, our, our, you know, new crypto type financial economy into the old traditional finance economy. And you see people saying, Hey, this stuff is really new. We need to be encouraging this regulation is needed. I mean, you kind of hear that from 
all of these regulators. That's their job. They are saying, hey, regulation is needed, but, you know, we need to be really careful with this stuff. This stuff is potential to be a huge part of our economy in the future. And so you kind of hear the whole spectrum. At least I've been hearing the whole spectrum, kind of listening to some of these uh, congressional hearings. Um, on for, people, for people listening and why it's so important for them to get it right is because if you're the United States government, you want the tax revenue. You want the businesses here. You want the people doing this here so that the United States can make the money versus someone international. And it really well, is interesting. Yeah, you want the human capital. I mean, the, the revenue is great, but like the human capital, it's like you can't put a price on some of the smartest minds, you know, out there. So that's a huge part of it as well. Tag. Ta so I come from a family of my dad's a CPA, my sister's a CPA, and I've always thought accounting was interesting. But when you have like the tax account, taxes and accounting on crypto, like taxes, if taxes was like a, a three on the interesting scale, it suddenly becomes a nine on the interesting, a 10 on the interest. Cause it's so like, we're in this, it has everything. It really has everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, taxes is something like that to me has always been like something creative, you know, it's like you're trying to fit um, every single potential human and financial human interaction into like into code, into writing, you know, and so it's like <laughs> a try doing that, you know, and yet somehow we've kind of created a framework through, you know, uh, through legislation and through our court systems to kind of help people and guide people through this stuff. Um, so, yeah, tax can be really interesting and it's hard for people to realize that until you get to crypto, in which case there's so much gray area and all of a sudden, there's all sorts of new financial transactions between humans. We're trying to kind of fit it in each, you know, each peg into its box and we don't really have the answers. And so there's kind of more to come on this stuff. It's, it's part two. We're already at 43 minutes and I feel like we're cutting it short. The people <laughs> want a part three, <laughs> I'm just, but uh, Jesse, any, any questions? I think that'll before? be after the tax season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll be the post taxes. That'll be the what's next. But um, Miles, that's part two. First, our first guest and also happened to be our second guest. Although we might, I don't know how these are going to come out, but uh, awesome having you. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, what are you working on? What What are you excited about? I know there's a there's a big launch coming for CryptoTrader.tax slash CoinLedger. I know that because they're, the incubator has been working with them a little bit. So uh, give us a lowdown. Yeah, yeah. You can find me at on Twitter at Miles Brooks Tax. Um, you know, working at Coin Ledger. Um, you know, we're we're pumping out a new software. Um, you know, we're going to be coming out with software that can handle your NFTs. You could just plug in your Ethereum address, and we're going to be able to boom pump out your tax report for you. So really excited about that launch and you know it'll be really easy to to get your taxes done this season i'm i'm excited for that i could i could use i could use it and for everybody in the incubator we're going to have a, a discounted service there um just part of the partnership so uh thank you miles for hopping on here 
it this is this is the new normal we're talking crypto taxes honestly we don't even know what the new normal is going to be with these things clearly we're figuring out on the go if you got this far i think you're going to love being part of the incubator community which is linked in the description below entirely free let's talk taxes maybe maybe we lost it in a boating accident maybe we didn't it's that's a conversation for the discord channel yeah we do this every tuesday death taxes taxes and the new normal on tuesday thank you everybody as always keep it moving thank you miles thank you peace i'm walking around in the circle of life doing